0: And welcome to the Animation Podcast, a weekly podcast about all things animation brought to you by Filmbook. My name is Matt Brunet, but some of you may know me as Animat from my YouTube channel, Electric Dragon 505, home of web series that are all about animation, including animation lookback and Animat's reviews. Now, if this is your first time here in the animation podcast, well, you came in right on time for some very fascinating news. And I got a whole variety of them right over here for you. So, first things first, I'm going to be talking about Lady and the Tramp and something that some people might not be excited to hear about related to that movie. Then afterwards, we will be talking about a trailer that what could possibly be one of the uh, least fascinating favored reviewed animated films of this year but who knows we'll just have to wait and see on that then afterwards we will be talking about rick and morty and the possibility that we might not get any more then afterwards we will be talking about lucas the spider in which we will see a lot more of him in the future and then finally we will end things off with animat's pick of the week if you want to check out more episodes of the Animation Podcast, then all you have to do is head on down to filmbook, which is film-book.com, by searching the Animation Podcast. You can also email us at podcast.filmbook.com at with the Animation Podcast in the subject line. Okay, so before I begin, I just would like to give a shout-out to John Musker, which you may know as the Disney director who would collaborate with Ron Clements to go and direct plenty of beloved Disney animated features since uh, he actually recently retired. And um, as you guys may know, John Musker, along with Ron Clemens, he would go and direct movies such as The Great Mouse Detective, The Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Hercules, Treasure Planet, The Princess and the Frog, and Moana. And on top of that, he is actually a three-time Oscar-nominated director, considering that his last three movies were nominated for Best Animated Feature. But now, since he is announced to be retired, uh, the only thing that I want to say is that I wish you the best of luck in your retirement, Mr. Musker. And thank you so much for many of these wonderful and life-changing animated features. You really made a great impact, not just at Disney, but in the whole medium of animation in general, along with Ron. So for that, I just want to say thank you. Okay, so, with all that said and done, let's go ahead and start with our first story right over here with Lady and the Tramp, and I'm sure you guys, if you're listening to this, you're probably very familiar with Lady and the Tramp, the 1955 Walt Disney classic, in which, uh, I I actually do have a little article right over here on the story that I want to talk about, but, um... Apparently the story goes, is that Lady and the Tramp, released in 1955, told the love story between a pampered cocker spaniel named Lady, and a streetwise mongrel named Tramp. Lady finds herself out of the streets after her owners have a baby, and it's saved from a pack by Tramp, who tries to show her how to live her life footloose and collar-free. And from there, if there is one thing that is highly memorable about Lady and the Tramp, not just... From uh, the wonderful animation done by the five, uh, the nine old men, along with plenty of other animators at the time. Uh, but the most memorable thing that ever came out of Lady and the Tramp is, of course, the Bella Note scene when the dogs would eat spaghetti, and then you see like true love really connecting right over there. Not only is it the most memorable romantic scene in an animated feature, but it is also one of the most memorable. Uh, romantic scenes in a movie in general so with all that said about Lady and the Tramp oh actually there is one more thing that I would like to mention is that uh just recently not too long uh after not too long before I recorded this uh Lady and the Tramp actually did get re-released on blu-ray as part of the Walt Disney signature collection so There is a little bit of relevancy related to Lady and the Tramp right now, so if you guys want to get a chance to actually see the movie yourself, you can actually go ahead and buy either the DVD or the Blu-ray. Or even digital, even actually. Uh, I I usually forget about that. I'm more of just a a Blu-ray and DVD kind of guy. I'm more of a physical kind of guy, actually. But anyways, with all that said and done, I would like to ask you guys a little question about Lady and the Tramp. Who here would like to have a live-action remake of it? You don't? Well, too bad, because Disney is going to make one anyways. Yes, it has been announced that Disney is actually going to be working on a live-action remake based on Lady and the Tramp. And the first thing that they have done in order to create this movie is that they actually went and hired Charlie Bean to be the director. Now, how this movie is actually going to work is that apparently it says here, again in my source here on The Hollywood Reporter, that this is actually going to be a live-action CGI hybrid. So it's going to be a little bit of one of those movies where a lot of CGI will be incorporated onto the film, but for the most part, it will be live-action in order to create Lady and the Tramp. Now, there isn't any other elements there isn't any other information related to this that has been revealed we don't know how close it's going to remake the original movie or if it's going to include a lot of the original songs I mean well there's no secret that of course they got to do Bella Note," but uh, regards to plenty of the other songs in there like the ones sung by Peggy Sue that I don't know well I guess we'll have to wait and see regarding that information However, there is one major catch when it comes to this live action remake of Lady and the Tramp is that this one will not be released in theaters. Instead, Disney is actually going to be releasing this one in their upcoming streaming service. Now, you guys are probably familiar with their big streaming service that they want to go and plan Uh, pretty much their biggest project that's going to be coming out late in 2019 in which they're going to put all their movies, all their TV shows, and all that kind of stuff in there along with giving out some exclusive movies and exclusive TV shows. You might have heard about some of them like um, a a series based on Star Wars in which Jon Favreau is going to work on that, Um, a series based on Monsters, Inc., a new Muppet series, and all that kind of stuff. And, even some remakes uh, of some of their older live-action films. Like, I've heard that they could be doing one based on, uh, what was it? Oh, right, Uh, they're doing one based on Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Uh, They could also be doing one based on The Parent Trap. Yes, they would be remaking The Parent Trap again. And it looks like this is going to be another one in their collection, the live-action remake of Lady and the Tramp. However, uh, some of you might be wondering about Charlie Bean himself. Is this guy trustworthy to go and actually work on a movie like this? Well, you'll have to see for yourself looking into his history or his career, which surprisingly enough, this is actually his first major jump onto a live-action production of this caliber because beforehand, Charlie Bean actually has a prominent career in animation, where he started out working as uh, an animator. Uh, Actually, let me just read you a little bit more onto the Hollywood Reporter source, saying that Bean is a longtime animator who has written on Dexter's Laboratory and Samurai Jack and directed 18 out of the 19 episodes of Disney XD's Tron Uprising before making his feature debut with the Lego Ninjago movie last year. And it even added in how this is a little bit in Charlie Bean's comfort zone. Because even though this is a live-action production, there will still be some elements of animation that will be included onto this film. So yeah, basically, long story short, Disney is making a live-action remake of Lady and the Tramp that's going to be directed by the same guy who did the Lego Ninjago movie. Now, first and foremost, I guess we'll pretty much have to uh, talk about what people are pretty much thinking. And I think uh, it's pretty much this one big question. Really? They gotta go and find whatever they can to do all these random remakes, and now they gotta do Lady and the Tramp out of all things? And I mean, yeah, sure, it does seem pretty random, that they would have to go and do Lady and the Tramp. And I think the one thing that does worry me a little bit. It would have to be the, uh, uh, the, the aspect that they mentioned. This is going to be part live action, part CGI. So technically, you might think that maybe they could go into this live action area. Where they would have real people and real sets. But the dogs are going to all be computer animated. And we're going to be focusing a lot on that. But that might not be the case. What I'm thinking that Disney could be doing in here. Is that yeah there will be some computer animation. Added into this. And maybe there won't be a lot of it. But from what I can see. Is that Disney could be doing something. In the veins of movies like Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Like. You're going to see real-life dogs walking around, but there will be some elements in which there will be some CGI, like maybe on some more over-the-top crazy movements, or mostly in their mouths so it looks like they're talking with their lips. And this is not the only example that I can think of with Beverly Hills Chihuahua. There are plenty of other movies that would do that as well. And some of them don't turn out some good results per se. Now, what I'm talking about, of course, there are movies like uh, Cats vs. Dogs. I'm sure you can think of some of them. Or another example that I can think of is something called Show Dogs. Okay, now, if you guys don't know what Show Dogs is, holy crap, it is a sight to behold. Now, as I'm recording this, it has not been released yet. Apparently, it's going to be coming out sometime in August, but you gotta see the trailer. It truly is a sight to behold and it is purely crazy like I can pretty much see this as the dog equivalent of nine lives it is something that looks so stupid but my god it's just like a disastrous mess that you just want to see and have a good time to just relish on its badness basically Imagine if uh, Miss Congeniality would go into a dog show. That's basically what you would get with Show Dogs. And the trailer that they presented in there, it's just like, Oh my god, this looks so stupid. I think I want to check that one out. (laughs) And that's what I could possibly see with what could happen with Lady and the Tramp. Like, maybe they won't do stupid stuff like that, like what you would see in Show Dogs... But in terms of the filmmaking aspect, how they would craft this movie would be something a little bit like that, where they would have live-action CGI dogs, well, live-action dogs, but some elements of them would look CGI so that we can see them talk or do some random movements and stuff like that. Or I'm pretty sure they would use CGI in order to have the dogs eat spaghetti, because If they're going to try to recreate that scene in that way, like in the original animated feature, there's no way that you can actually do it with dogs. I'm just saying. But overall, when I would look into the further details about this Lady and the Tramp remake, I think I do understand what Disney is doing. And I think I understand why are we even getting a live action remake of Lady and the Tramp in the first place. It's not necessarily because they want to try to really cash in on the live action remake trend and they're really going into literally anything they can in order to go and create live action remakes and try to capitalize on all that, thinking that, oh, this is going to be like the next Maleficent or the next Beauty and the Beast or the next Jungle Book or something crazy like that. That's not the reason why. I think the important thing to really get from this is the fact that they're releasing it on their streaming service. So this is not necessarily made to be a movie on its own, but rather this is just a promotional tool for something bigger. Because really think about it. Like I said before, one of the biggest projects that Disney is trying to craft, and they're building this for a while right now probably more than a year or two is that Disney wants to make sure that they have their own streaming service that they want to get into that competition against stuff like Netflix and Hulu and all the other streaming service they really want to be a major competitor in that field offering their own brand of movies and TV shows and all that kind of stuff and even their own exclusive things So, with this live-action remake of Lady and the Tramp, they want to try to promote it and try to, um, basically, to attract fans of the Disney live-action remakes. Basically, to say that if you're a major fan of movies like Beauty and the Beast or Pete's Dragon or Alice in Wonderland or Maleficent or whatever, then you can actually get an exclusive movie that would fit in that category onto their streaming service, and you got to go there to check it out. And considering with Lady and the Tramp, it is actually the perfect subject to actually do something like that, where you don't have to release it on the big screen, but you can easily just slap it in onto the streaming service, because technically, when you compare it to many of the other Disney animated films that they have, Lady and the Tramp is one of them... In which you can really cut down costs. Like you don't necessarily have to make this 100 million dollar budgeted animated or this 100 million dollar big budgeted movie in order to craft something like this. Like you could just slash it down to make the budget a little bit smaller or just a whole lot smaller. So that you could put it on the streaming service and it wouldn't be any danger whatsoever like you're not really gonna lose money and I think that could be one big thing that you should really expect when it comes to this uh, streaming service like if that ends up becoming very successful and this Lady and the Tramp remake ends up becoming very successful then I wouldn't be surprised if in the future we could actually be seeing a lot more of these live action remakes but with a lower budget and not release in theaters, but rather just on that streaming service. Like, it could maybe inspire them to do stuff like maybe Bambi, you know, something in the veins of what Jon Favreau is going to do with the the Lion King live-action remake, or maybe they could do one on the Aristocats. I mean, anything is possible. Anything is open to interpretation, so who knows how that's going to go, but... I could totally see that they could do something like that. So, um, that's basically my thought on why they're even doing this in the first place is to make sure they would go and cut down costs. And Lady and the Tramp is not necessarily a product in itself, but rather a promotional tool for a bigger product. And is this going to work? Is it not? That I'm not sure. Honestly, We'll have to wait and see with how the streaming service is going to go. If that's a big hit, then most likely this Lady in the Tramp remake is going to be a big hit as well. Maybe not necessarily as big as the ones that are going to be released in theaters, but I honestly don't know with how they're going to pull it off. That, or I don't know how close they are going to stay in terms of... Uh, how uh, they're going to adapt it to the original is it going to be a loose adaptation are they going to stick close to the original story are they going to reinvent the story are they going to put it in a different time zone that i don't know they didn't bring out a lot of information the only thing that we know is that the guy who did the lego ninjago movie is also going to be doing this and honestly i don't know what to expect coming out of this but I guess overall, we'll just have to wait and see. I don't think they even—I don't think they even mentioned a release date. Like they did mention that it's going to be coming out. Like the uh, streaming service itself is going to be coming out in the fall of 2019, but they didn't spec—they uh, didn't specify when this movie in particular is going to be released. Maybe it'll be out on the same day as uh, the mo- uh, as the streaming service. Maybe it'll be much later. But it did mention here that uh, the service will have four to six movies a year among content that will include films and TV shows from Disney brands like Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. So this could be a possibility that this is going to be one of the first big ones. But again, we'll just have to wait and see how it goes. But yeah, overall, uh, we're going to be getting a live action remake of Lady and the Tramp. Won't that be fun? Okay, so for our next story, I would like to mention about the movies that are going to be coming out in 2018. Because honestly, it's actually very interesting how I would often hype up about some of my more anticipated animated films coming out. I've mentioned a lot that... I really am excited to see movies like Isle of Dogs and Incredibles 2 and Ralph Breaks the Internet, *Wrecked Ralph 2. But I haven't really mentioned a lot about some of my least anticipated animated films. Now, thankfully, when it comes to the movies of 2018, I don't really see one that's going to be downright horrible in the veins of like Norm of the North or The Emoji Movie. But when it comes to my least anticipated animated films this year, they're really more in the range that at best they could be just meh and really forgettable. And coincidentally enough, they're actually both animated sequels to movies that it is very questionable if we really need a sequel to them. And chances are, yeah, it could turn out bad, but I'm not expecting something downright stupid and downright terrible and the movies that I am mentioning are Nomeo and Juliet uh, no wait not not Gnomeo and Juliet I mean Sherlock Gnomes which uh that just actually came out this week and Hotel Transylvania 3 Summer Vacation in which this week the trailer has actually been released yes um surprisingly later uh surprisingly late Sony Pictures Animation has released the first official trailer to Hotel Transylvania 3 Summer Vacation and along with that they have revealed a few new significant characters that will be added into the story. Now if I may read my source here on uh, Collider in which it would provide the official synopsis It has stated that in Sony Pictures Animation's Hotel Transylvania 3 Summer Vacation, join our favorite monster family as they embark on a vacation on a luxury monster cruise ship so Drac can take a summer vacation from providing everyone else's vacation at the hotel. It's smooth sailing for Drac Pack, as the monsters indulge in all the shipboard's fun the cruise has to offer, from monster volleyball to exotic excursions and catching up on their moon tans. But their dream vacation turns into a nightmare when Mavis realized Drac has fallen for the mysterious captain of the ship, Erica, who hides a dangerous secret that could destroy all monster kind. And uh, the mysterious secret, well, it's not really that much of a secret because it's already revealed in the trailer itself, because what the trailer is pretty much depicting is a lot different than what the synopsis is pretty much saying because Drac doesn't really need a vacation from giving everyone else a vacation. It's more the fact that Dracula has become lonely. Like he start to ha like singlehood is starting to take a toll on him. And, you know, he's in the mood to actually find, he, he's in the mood to actually go ahead and find a mate. But, Mavis didn't really get the, that kind of connection immediately. So, she thought that, okay, maybe Drac is just working too hard. So, they'll go ahead and take a vacation on this cruise. But then, Dracula would go ahead and meet the captain of the ship, which is Erika, who is going to be played by Captain Han, and immediately, he just falls in love with her. But, apparently, the dark secret that she has is that, secretly, Erika absolutely hates monsters of all kinds, and absolutely hates Dracula, because she is actually a descendant of Van Helsing, which, at some point in the movie, Van Helsing will actually be appearing in the movie... And he's going to be played by Jim Gaffigan. Which I may say that I actually really do like Jim Gaffigan as a comedian. Like he's really funny and has a lot of great bits. And I mean of course we all know the classic Hot Pockets. But anyways going back into the story. Yes she is the descendant of Van Helsing. And she's going to do her best in order to destroy all the monsters. I mean she got them all in this one giant cruise. In order to take them down one by one. And of course among the cast Everybody is back in here, uh, which includes Adam Sandler, of course, playing Drack. You also got Selena Gomez, Kevin James, David Spade, Steve Buscemi, Keegan-Michael Key, uh, Molly Shannon, Fran uh, Drescher, and even Mel Brooks himself is back. Which, honestly, for this movie is actually a good thing. Oh yeah, and also uh, Andy, Samberg, Andy Samberg is also back as Johnny, but really nobody cares about him. In fact, nobody likes him. So that's one bad news from this movie is that, yes, Johnny is still back in this. And um, before I get things started on my thoughts on the trailer itself, I would like to mention about uh, my thoughts on Hotel Transylvania in general as uh, the the animated film series. Now, as you guys probably know, Uh, My thoughts have been rather notorious from it because a lot of people use me as one of the most prominent examples of people that don't like Hotel Transylvania. In fact, you may have probably heard around the internet or if you're familiar with my works, then you probably heard around the internet, how people love to make those massive comparisons between me and the Nostalgia Critic, how he really, really, really likes Hotel Transylvania, and how I really, really, really don't like Hotel Transylvania. But in actuality, I would actually say that the, my my thoughts on Hotel Transylvania have been exaggerated by others. Like, there, there are a lot of people who would go and try to really make make something really big out of something small out of it but then again the internet is very well known to do that so easily and they would say things that there's nobody out there in this world that hates Hotel Transylvania more than I do I hate Sony Pictures Animation so much that I want animators to be fired and all that kind of bullcrap and I just want to say no and no and no I certainly do not want anybody at Sony Animation to be fired. There has never been a point that I actually said that. And also, yeah, I don't like Hotel Transylvania, but I don't passionately hate it. I mean, it's not even the worst movie that Sony Pictures Animation has done. Like They have done a lot worse than that. Like, you know, there, there are things that are a lot worse than Hotel Transylvania, like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, The Smurfs, The Emoji Movie, and all of those films. And I will admit, there are some good things to actually be said about Hotel Transylvania. Uh, some of the mo- There are actually some moments that did make me laugh. Like, not just chuckle a bit, but legitimately make me laugh. And this is actually one of the greatest examples of how Adam Sandler can actually have a great career as a voice actor. I know he's really focused on being a producer and just making his own movies and stuff like that, but really, if Adam Sandler would consider taking the route maybe of Mark Hamill and go into his career with doing voiceover work, I think it would actually go amazingly. Yeah, a lot of people love giving crap to Adam Sandler, but you know he does have a lot of hidden talent that not many people do talk about. However, with all that said and done, there are a lot of things about Hotel Transylvania that really doesn't work. And there is no other word that I can think of to describe Hotel Transylvania as movies in general as just cheap. Every, almost everything about Hotel Transylvania feels absolutely cheap. The writing feels cheap. The animation feels cheap. The directing feels cheap. And the substance feels cheap. And overall, the Hotel Transylvania movies in general just feel cheap. And that's pretty much why nobody really would look at these movies as something really big, as extravagant animated features in the veins of what Disney or Pixar would do. These are nothing but cheap Adam Sandler cartoons. And when I would go and look into the trailer of Hotel Transylvania 3. That's exactly what I'm expecting. And that's exactly what I saw. It's just another cheap movie. Mostly delivering the same things. And honestly the more that I think about the things that they have shown. In Hotel Transylvania 3. The more I can already tell how this movie. Is going to go in. In general really and the thing is is that one thing that I will say that isn't really great about this trailer is actually related to the jokes because honestly that's the main thing why people want to see this in general is to see the funny moments in Hotel Transylvania like that's kind of like the main selling point in a way and a lot of the humor that I see at least in this trailer They really don't work. They're really not that impressive. And honestly, some of the best jokes that I've seen, well, honestly, they've already been done in the previous teaser trailer. And uh, honestly, like, the best that they probably offered here so far is just the one where um, you see uh, the Vlad played by Mel Brooks, like, when he would come in and just his Speedo, and then you just see Dragon Barris going, Okay, thank you, Dad! Like, that one, okay, that was kind of funny, but it's already been done. And I guess the opening bit, I can see some of the potential where Dracula is trying to talk to Siri, but it isn't working out as well. But I wasn't really laughing because I was honestly so freaking distracted by Dracula's phone and how much of a shameless plug that it is that it's a Sony phone. Like, you could see it clear as crystal, That Dracula is holding a freaking Sony phone. And somehow is talking to Siri. So I don't know how that would work. But yeah. Apparently they're trying to make a a Siri joke. Using a Sony phone. So yeah. Some of the jokes really just don't work. And a lot of the other ones that they present here. They're honestly just not all that great. They're not really that funny. And a lot of it just mostly consists of just lowbrow humor that really you probably be you you probably be have to be under nine to really find any of these hysterical and honestly this trailer in general i have to say it really did give a bad first impression when you would see uh dennis mavis johnny and dracula somehow making this stupid goofy walk when they're doing when they're ready to go scuba diving and I really don't get the point of that. It's just like... I like The first moment that I see that, I was like... Okay, yeah, that sounds like a pass on this. Uh, like I was immediately unamused and just unimpressed by this. But then, you would get the new element. And that right there tells me exactly how this movie is going to go in general. And that is Erica by Katherine Hahn. Because... She's probably the one in this that offers the most over-the-top animation. Where she would show her massive distaste in uh, the monsters and especially with Dracula. And with the way that they really want to try to sell hard on how she is a villain. For me, I feel like with how she is as a character. This movie is going to go in one of two directions. And I can already tell... How this film is going to end. It's either A. Erica is this one dimensional villain. Who's going to be acting like this. Throughout the whole movie. Just being an over over the top bad guy. Trying to destroy. Drak and the whole gang. And now they want to go. And like Drac and the gang. Must try to stop Erica. Before it is too late. Or B. What's going to happen is that. They will try to develop the relationship between Erica and Drac. And even though Erica is going to try to take down Drac, she'll suddenly start to have feelings for him. And then at the moment when all the, like, when the monsters are all in danger and the cruise ship is going to go sinking down into the bottomless pit by some big thing or whatever... Erica is going to be the one that's going to save the day. Or at least she's going to go and save Drac. And then afterwards, they're going to live happily ever after. And there's going to be this big dance party ending. So those are the two endings that I'm pretty much predicting. But either way, they're not original. And they're not that well crafted. But then again, what the fridge do you expect when one of the writers of the movie is the same one who recently just wrote The Boss Baby. So, yeah, honestly, overall, I am not really that impressed with what they're delivering with Hotel Transylvania. I'm not expecting it to be the worst. I'm not expecting it to be like the Emoji Movie levels of bad. But honestly, all I see is just another week movie that's going to be coming up. And, yeah, this is not really all that great so the trailer was not really that impressive and I'm honestly not that surprised honestly no I am actually quite surprised that this movie didn't get like not much people really gave that much of a crap yeah like the trailer itself did get a significant amount of views but I've never seen it go viral like, I've never seen it be this big talk all around social media. I haven't seen it be trending on Twitter. I haven't seen it be trending on Facebook. Or I haven't even seen it be trending on YouTube. Like, honestly, like I've seen a lot more talks about the Deadpool sequel more so than Hotel Transylvania 3. But, yeah, overall, I guess expectations could possibly be low on this. Because, after all, the thing is... It's Hotel Transylvania 3 and I think this is one of those movies in which you just have to look at the title to judge if you're going to enjoy this or not or if you want to actually watch this like if you're sold by the idea of Hotel Transylvania 3 then chances are you're going to enjoy it but if it's going to take a lot more than just looking at the title to make you convinced that you want to see this movie and you might enjoy it. Well, then at that point, there's not much of a reason to buy a ticket for it, is there? But yeah, overall, that's pretty much my thoughts on the Hotel Transylvania 3 trailer. Uh, I'm not expecting anything good, but like the previous two movies, I guess what I'm expecting is going to be a bad film. Not terrible, not horrible, but just plain bad. And if you guys are curious to see what Hotel Transylvania 3 is all about, then all you have to do is just wait until July 13th for the movie's release. Okay, so moving on to our next story, I'm just going to say right now that at this point, you have to be ready for both circumstances. Now, there is a chance that it could be happening, but also at this point, with the evidence that we have, you also have to be ready that Maybe what you have right now will pretty much be it, and it's all done right now. And what I'm talking about is one little event that happened on Facebook, or no, not on Facebook, I'm sorry, on Twitter, that really got a lot of people talking. Apparently, there's this one douchey user on Twitter that spoke to Dan Harmon, which you may know as the one of the creators of Rick and Morty, and, uh, the person tweeted, and I quote, Quit wasting time and go finish the next Rick and Morty season, you lazy alcoholic! Run the jewels can get the animators to make a music video, but we're waiting on them for the next season? No, we're waiting on you to finish writing it like that's a frickin' book! And then, Dan Harmon replied by saying something that is absolutely shocking. Not something provocative that made people be angry at Dan Harmon, but more something that made people a little bit angry towards Adult Swim, per se. Because uh, this is the tweet that he replied with. So, uh, I hear ya, tough spot. On one hand, it could be challenging, especially with crippling lazy alcoholism, to write a show that hasn't been ordered by a network. On the other hand, the thought that fans like you pay the price, I mean, well, I'm going to grab a drink. So that's pretty much the big news that people got from this is that apparently Adult Swim has yet to pick up season four of Rick and Morty. Now, of course, a lot of people have been talking about season four and what could be the possibilities of what could happen, during that season ever since season three finished somewhere last year at the beginning of October but now that we got the information that Adult Swim didn't pick it up the chances of that show actually being canceled is starting to come up pretty big right now and it got me a little bit curious to be honest and I wanted to double check uh, to see if this is actually pretty unnatural, even for Adult Swim, where at this point, they have yet to actually pick up another season of Rick and Morty. So what I decided to do, I decided to go and do some research and check the time frame between when is it that Season 2 ended and when Adult Swim picked up Season 3. And from what I found is that apparently, that is actually a span of less than 2 months. Where Rick and Morty season 2 finished off on October of 2015 and then season 3 was picked up on the at the end of November of 2015. And at this point right now, fast-forwarding onto here, what's going on is that Rick and Morty season 3 finished at the beginning of October of 2017. We're almost a half a year later, and Adult Swim has done nothing so far to pick it up. So the chances of that being canceled are actually pretty high. But then again, at the same time, even if the best case scenario would be that right now Adult Swim would actually pick up Rick and Morty Season 4, we're not going to be getting that for a long time. In fact, the last time that the crew would even mention about Season 4 of Rick and Morty, they would say that it won't be on until much, much later. Like, they would say somewhere at the end of 2019 if that would happen. But at this point, I wouldn't be surprised that if the chances of, of Rick and Morty Season 4 would actually happen, then we probably wouldn't even get it until 2020. And it is very strange when you do think about it, because when you look back in 2017 uh, in 2017 in general, season three of Rick and Morty was one of the biggest TV events that happened during that year. In fact, 2017 in general was actually a really good year for Adult Swim, not just because of what they delivered with Rick and Morty, but also because of the series finale of Samurai Jack. And from there... Adult Swim really got a lot of profitability and a lot of great ratings and on top of that they would get a lot of praise because of course with Rick and Morty season 3 it is absolutely beloved and of course some viral sensation memes came out of it including the Szechuan sauce and Pickle Rick. But then of course speaking of the Szechuan sauce uh, there are some bad things that did come out of it as well including that little event McDonald's tried to pull off and It turned out to be an absolute disaster. So at that point, I do see both sides onto the chances of why a Rick and Morty season four would happen, but at the same time, it might not. Because the thing is, season three was a massive hit. The ratings are amazing. The reviews are amazing. Everybody really enjoyed what they got from Rick and Morty season three. And... It really did become one of Adult Swim's biggest shows. So, it would make sense that Adult Swim would want to continue to feed on that growth, and they would go and pick up a season four. That would make sense. However, at the same time, it has yet to be picked up. Now, the reasons onto why that Adult Swim didn't make that decision as of yet, that they didn't make any announcement on the fate of Rick and Morty just yet, We don't know so far, maybe they have something planned in mind, maybe it's just too big for them, and maybe it's more of a curse than it actually is a blessing, but if they have yet to really pick it up after half a year, then that could be a sign right there that Rick and Morty would be pretty much over, and all we're left is just three seasons, and left with uh, 30 episodes, which honestly, if the worst case scenario would actually come And it would actually be that where like Rick and Morty is actually over. I think I would be really happy with what I got with the three seasons of Rick and Morty because you got to keep in mind some of the best animated series they're not there for long, they don't even last long, they don't even have that much episodes. I mean, yeah, sure, you think about stuff like The Simpsons, Family Guy, The Flintstones, Jetsons. Um, what else? Like this, um, I said Simpsons, Family Guy, uh, SpongeBob SquarePants, and Fairly Odd Parents, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, those shows, they don't last for years. They last for decades, and they really have made a giant cultural impact. Whereas um, you look at some other shows, and they would make a huge impact in our pop culture as well, but they don't really have that much seasons or even don't have that much episodes. And I'm talking about shows like Avatar The Last Airbender or Gravity Falls or even Over the Garden Wall, uh, yeah, Over the Garden Wall, which only has like 10 episodes, yet it's one of the most beloved shows that ever came out of Cartoon Network. So Rick and Morty could actually be one of those shows. It could be something like Gravity Falls or Avatar or um, or Over the Garden Wall where yeah it it only delivered 30 episodes on three seasons but those are amazing 30 episodes that spanned for three seasons and honestly they're just absolutely beautiful so that could be the case and overall we just have to be prepared for both we got to be prepared for rick and morty season four to actually come but we also have to be ready for rick and morty to actually be canceled What the case may be, I don't know. But honestly, we'll just have to wait and see until Adult Swim gives out the official word. Okay, so for our next story right over here, we're going to be talking about an internet sensation that you guys are probably familiar with, Lucas the spider now there is a very good chance that on social media you might have stumbled upon a 30-second video that would feature Lucas the spider just doing simple and cute little things Because basically it just shows the little adventures of this adorable little spider named Lucas and all across social media It has gotten over hundreds of millions of views on Twitter, on Facebook, and even on YouTube. It has a YouTube channel where literally it only has six videos and they're around 30 seconds long, but they have already gathered 1.5 million subscribers. And just on YouTube alone, it already has over 60 million views. But apparently it's only bound to happen that Lucas the Spider would go on to become its own franchise. And what I'm talking about is going to be Fresh TV Inc. The same people that brought you Total Drama Island and 16 are going to be collaborating with animator Joshua Slice in order to turn Lucas the Spider into a major franchise. And when I say franchise, they're thinking of all the major possibilities that they could do with Lucas the Spider. Not just creating more shorts, but even making TV shows based on Lucas, and even some movies maybe. And if I may go ahead and take a quote here from the president and executive producer at Fresh TV Inc., Tom McGillis. Reading from my source at Animation Magazine, it stated... We are excited to combine Fresh's creativity and production expertise with Joshua's one-of-a-kind talent. Joshua has created a character that instantly resonates with children and adults alike. From the moment we saw his creation, Fresh saw the potential to take Lucas the Spider to the next level with series, features, and on a variety of other platforms. Uh, Joshua Slice even mentioned himself, When I launched Lucas the Spider a little over five months ago, I had not imagined the internet star uh, he would become. I am humbled and grateful to fans for their love and support. A big thank you to Fresh TV for seeing the potentials of this little arachnid. Together we can grow Lucas the Spider far beyond his 30-second moments on YouTube. And what's very interesting about Lucas the Spider is that with Joshua Slice, he is actually... Uh, a professional animator. Like, you could tell that in the, um, in the little shorts that features Lucas the Spider, they are very well animated. And the reason why is that uh, Josh, uh, Joshua, uh, Joshua Slice actually does work as an animator, and even has worked on some major animated features at studios like Disney, Pixar, and Blue Sky, and even worked on movies such as Epic, Big Hero 6, and even Zootopia. So that's where he got his talent. And as for uh, the spider himself, for the voice, well, that's actually voiced by his little nephew, who is also named Lucas. So Lucas Slice is actually Lucas the Spider. And when I would look at something like this and see, uh, the major growth of Lucas the Spider, honestly, I feel like it would be about like, it's kind of like, it's about time that Lucas the Spider would eventually grow into something big because it it, like Lucas the Spider really has become such a viral sensation that people are really freaking out about and just absolutely adoring him i remember looking at some uh behind the scenes into the making of those lucas the spider videos where joshua slice mentioned that he wanted to do something where like take something that people would normally be scared of and turn into something adorable where even some people with an arachnophobia would think that lucas the spider is actually just darn right cute so Right now, I feel like with Lucas the Spider, like, yeah, his popularity grew substantially big to the point that it's bound to happen that it would become a franchise. That, like, it would grow to the point that it would be like, um, uh, something in the veins of the Annoying Orange. Now, I'm not saying that Lucas the Spider is going to be the next Annoying Orange, but I'm just saying that his popularity has stepped up where he would be another creation where... He would go be he he would go and become this animated internet sensation to growing into something much bigger that would feature uh, TV shows and uh, even movies. Now the movies aspect, I will say, I am a little bit curious about, and honestly, it's hard for me to really imagine like how big can you grow with this idea of Lucas the Spider. And make him... And make that into an entire movie. I don't know how that's gonna work. But if they got something in mind... And if they have a good idea for it... Then I'll be all for it. But for now it does seem like a strange idea. But yeah I think overall... Fresh TV should really just go... Step by step with this. Like of course give Lucas the Spider... A TV show. And then see what else can you do... Before really expanding him into other projects... Like movies... And uh, maybe some other stuff as well. But yeah, overall, I feel like what Fresh TV should do with Lucas the Spider, just considering that they are dealing with just 30-second videos, like, they just need to take it step by step and really analyze what Lucas the Spider is and where you can really go from there without really going crazy with it. Instead of, like, uh, you, you know, not take it too far with uh, Lucas the spider like try to find a way to have that charm that he presented in 30 seconds and how can you expand that into an entire series or even an entire movie because there are many ways that you can go wrong with it but then again there are some ways that it can go right but yeah it's going to be tricky to turn 30 seconds and try to expand that much longer and Try to retain that cute little charm that Lucas the Spider has. But I don't know. But I guess we'll have to wait and see with what Fresh TV has in store. And I just want to say congratulations, uh, congratulations, uh, Joshua Slice, on your massive success with Lucas the Spider. Okay, so finally, we are now going to go and end this off with Animat's pick of the week. And what I decided to do this week is that I'm gonna go and do a little exclusive review. Yeah, you're gonna get a little exclusive audio version of Animat's reviews, but something that is a little bit controversial right now. In fact, for Disney fans, this is right now one of the biggest subjects and one of the most controversial subjects that is happening right now. And what I'm talking about, of course, is gonna be Pirates of the Caribbean. Now, of course, if you're familiar with news that is going around at the Disney parks, then you might know that within Pirates of the Caribbean, they are actually going to revamp the entire auction scene where they would say that instead of presenting human trafficking, it's just gonna be a regular auction scene and the real star of the show is not necessarily going to be the auctioneers or the drunken pirates that are bill- or that are bidding or whatever it's actually going to be the redhead she's going to have a much bigger role where instead of just being eye candy where the perverted pirates just want to like go og- ogle at her and go we want the redhead she's actually going to be a legitimate show stealing pirate where she's going to be taking control of the entire auction. Like, yeah, sure, uh, the auctioneer himself is going to be presenting the stuff that they have, but she's the one that's clearly running the show. Now, technically, Disneyland Paris did have uh, an updated version, but they ne- they didn't necessarily made any significant changes to it. But uh, at Walt Disney World this week, they actually just opened up their new auction scene and it's a lot different than what they actually have in Paris what actually happens in here is that uh the redhead actually does have a speaking role where she would actually interrupt the auctioneer's auction on some chickens and she would be the one addressing to him it was like ah pipe down laddie they're just here for the rum aren't you boys I don't know why I gave her an Irish accent. I'm not sure if she's even Irish. But anyways, um, uh, animation fans might actually be familiar with the voice because uh, in here, the redhead is actually voiced by Gray Griffin. So yes, believe it or not, Vicky from Fairly Odd Parents is actually the redhead from Pirates of the Caribbean. And I just want to really congratulate her because... She really did achieve a massive dream. In fact, this is actually my biggest dream of mine to actually go and uh, provide the voice of a timeless character at the Disney parks in a beloved Disney attraction, which in this case, Gray Griffin is the voice of the redhead in the original Pirates of the Caribbean attraction. And just like the announcement itself It was extremely controversial. There are people who really, really, really love it. And there are people that really, really, really hate it. Some people actually adore this new revamp. They adore this new update in which they pretty much took away the human trafficking element. And they really made the redhead the star of the show. Whereas people really hate it because it took away the original scene that was there for over 50 years. You know, this was something that was originally envisioned by Walt Disney, the crew at uh, Walt Disney Imagineering, and also Mark Davis. It was there for so long, and they pretty much think, like, why fix something that isn't broken in the first place? So, yeah, a lot of Disney fans have really strong emotions regarding this. And when I first saw this, for me, it is a giant mix because I feel like there are some things that I really don't like about it, but there are also some things that I really do love about it because I'll start things off with the negatives just to get that out of the way. The thing is, is that I look at this scene in general and yeah, in its core, it really does feel like this massively watered-down version of what was there before because honestly I feel like if you take this scene in general and you put it something else like if you don't replace anything and you put it elsewhere I think it would get a lot more positive reactions but the fact that this was meant to replace the bride auction scene really it loses a lot of its value And a lot of people do criticize about the voice acting or stuff like that or how the scene is played out. But I would say it's more in the writing that feels like it's pretty weak. Like the writing in terms of the dialogue and how they're executing it. It really does feel like they're just presenting this kid-friendly version of what was there before. And like even the way that it was executed, it just feels maybe a little too whimsical for something like Pirates of the Caribbean, especially with how the redhead is like, Hey, we're here to have fun. We're all here to have some rum, aren't you boys? Hey, it's all fun, fun, fun. So yeah, it just, it does leave a little bit of a distaste, uh, seeing that. And honestly, I was a fan of the original auction scene in uh, the original Pirates of the Caribbean ride. I really did, you know, that scene was a lot of fun and it did show how things were back then in the age of pirates where they would actually do human trafficking. So honestly, yeah, it just feels like this really neutered version of what was there before. It's watered down, it just feels cheap and it doesn't feel all that great. But... There are some positives as well that I really do enjoy in this. And honestly, I think the best thing that did come out of this is the star of the show, the redhead, because the whole point of uh, the auction, of this new auction scene is to prominently display the redhead right over here. It's kind of like in the Haunted Mansion where the uh, in 2006, they updated the attic scene to have the bride a much bigger role. So it's kind of like the same thing in here where the redhead is much more prominent in this role in uh, this scene right over here. And oh my god, I'm just going to be very honest with you guys. I had to, like this is honestly something that I cannot watch like those like the videos that they have on YouTube. I cannot watch them as a whole like I had to stop it before I would develop a massive crush over the redhead. Because, oh my god, it's like... The the, the thing with the redhead is that she shows a lot of power and she shows like you know, she's capable of working things out and she's just absolutely fantastic. Like, yeah, I did criticize a bit on the dialogue and how she's written, but you could tell like she's, you know, she's more like this fun-loving pirate woman that is, like, you could tell that she is the star of the show, she is in charge, she is the powerhouse of all these pirates, and honestly, it's just fantastic, the way that they show, like, they really did give the redhead power, like, beforehand, like, as I stated before, she was just there for eye candy, but now, she's there to show, like, yeah, I'm the bot like, I'm the boss around here, and why not just have some fun like while doing it at the same time and you know what's actually very interesting um I remember someone commented on this but someone actually did point it out that the redhead like the new redhead is not wearing makeup at all where when you see in the uh, original attraction the redhead is all pampered up she's made to be all beautiful kind of like uh, the pirate's version of Jessica Rabbit and stuff like that. But in here she took away, like they decided to take off all her makeup, which is actually a very interesting choice because the thing is, is that you, I can still see elements of the redhead in her, where she still got her major curvaceous bod. And, you know, honestly, without her makeup, she still doesn't look that bad. She actually still looks pretty cute. So honestly, it still shows like, really natural beauty and honestly that also plays another factor of how like i i cannot watch any more videos for too long or else like i'll end up getting a massive crush on her but yeah like really she like i i guess in a way she i feel like she is still as amazingly attractive as she was before but in a more different sense Where she is more independent. She has more power. She can stand up for herself. And I feel like that is definitely great. And I think Disney perfectly nailed that aspect right over there. But then again, there are also the comments on that. Where people are really not fans about it. And honestly, I would see a lot of really stupid comments where... But Many people would say that, oh, they just updated this scene because they just want to pander to SJWs. And honestly, like people who say, like people are, people who try to say that SJWs are the problem of this scene in particular. Honestly, I don't care what they say because really they're just the kind of people that they would just blame social justice warriors for anything that would make them upset And honestly, those are just pathetic people. So their opinion just doesn't count right over there. And honestly, I feel like this really isn't the case that it's SJWs that are to blame in all this. Because in a way, there really is a massive irony in all this. Because think about it. You have this one scene right over here that is supposed to present female empowerment with the redhead being the whole star of this entire scene. But the whole ride itself, the star of the attraction, is this notorious womanizer who is portrayed by an accused domestic abuser. And that's kind of the big irony of all this. And that's what makes me think that the updated scene right over here, it could have been so much worse. It really could have, because at the very least, yes, it is an updated scene of what was there before, but one thing that I am glad is that the redhead isn't going around trying to boast like, ah, pipe down, ya bear tracks. we're here to search for Jack Sparrow, because let's be honest, Jack Sparrow did a lot more damage to the original Pirates of the Caribbean scene, uh, to the original Pirates of the Caribbean ride, more so Than this new auction scene. Because now the ride is pretty much. This like everywhere that you would look. Everybody is just looking for Jack Sparrow. It used to be this open world. Where you're transported into the age of pirates. And stuff like that. But nowadays. It just becomes this cheap linear plot. Where all the pirates are just hunting for Jack Sparrow. In order to look for treasure. And yeah. I do understand why they have to go And tried to get, you you know, like I do get why they got to go and find Jack Sparrow and why they have to add him in because the the movies are just so godforsaken popular. I do get that, but it really did like I, I think the thing is with Jack Sparrow, he really did make the attraction be like a shallow version of what used to be there. And yeah, like, I guess that also does play into the factor of why people are upset about this new auction scene, because they really are taking away a lot of what used to be there. Like, the original attraction that was from 1967, like, we're seeing less and less of that, and I guess, ironically, we're actually seeing what is, like, a live-action remake version of... The original attraction. Like what the 2017 version. Of uh, Beauty and the Beast. Is to the original 1991 film. uh Pirates of the Caribbean. Right now. Is to what Pirates of the Caribbean. Was back in 1967. So overall. I do understand. The anger that came with this new. Auction scene but I do see a lot of. Good that would come out of it. So honestly. I feel like it is bittersweet because the thing is, yes, I am absolutely going to miss the original auction scene. Like I wish I could ride the attraction like how it was long before uh, Jack Sparrow came in and invaded the entire attraction. But then again, Disney did a great job with updating uh, the redhead. On top of that... Uh, the animatronics look phenomenal. And I will say, like, even though the dialogue is pretty crappy, the voice acting is also great as well. So I will give cre- I-, I will give them credit for that. And with all that said, that is all that I've got for this week. So thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of The Animation Podcast. You can go ahead and find more of my work at film All you have to do is search for Matthew Brunet or The Animation Podcast. And you can also find me on Twitter at Animat505. Now, if you have listened to this podcast on iTunes or any other podcast service, do you mind doing us a little bit of a favor and review this episode? And if you are listening to this podcast on YouTube, then hit that little like button and leave us a little comment on your thoughts about the news this week. Tune in next week for the latest episode of the Animation Podcast and all things animation. Thank you guys so much for listening. And until next week, see you later, dudes.